0: And now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome back. I've got a great show for you today. I have Tracy Malone on. She is a surthriver of narcissistic abuse. She's a speaker, an educator, and emotional resilience coach. She's the founder of Support.com, and she's a global resource to victims of emotional abuse. She is the author of Divorcing Your Narcissist, You Can't Make This Shit Up, which is, in my opinion, should be a Bible for anyone going through a high-conflict divorce. We know that being in a marriage with a narcissist or an abuser is exhausting, Uh, divorcing them is no less exhausting. It can be worse. It can be more exhausting. And so this book will really help you understand how to go through the divorce process with this type of personality. Super, super important. Just a quick reminder that Should I Stay or Should I Go is uh, my program, Should I Stay or Should I Go, um, is going to be getting a full-on revamp And it will have a new price in April. So if you want to get in on the lower price, then absolutely get it now. Everyone who has purchased Should I Stay or Should I Go in the past will have the option to upgrade um, for a very small fee in order to um, get the new content. You know, if money is a concern and you want to get it at the lower price, if you've been eyeing it for a while, get it now um because it will be going up in april and one more thing if you love the q a format which i think a lot of you did make sure you go to kate slash questions and submit some questions so i can do some more of those episodes and without further ado here is my conversation with tracy malone Tracy, thank you so much for coming on and sharing information about your book. Your amazing, amazing book, um, divorcing a narcissist. So divorcing your narcissist Uh, (laughs) because they are right. They're all like a little bit different and special,
1: aren't they? Oh, they just are the gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) They really are.
0: So what are the most important things that people will learn in your book?
1: Well, I think it's important for people who are either, I built the book for people who just aren't sure that they're with a narcissist so i outline the different types of narcissist i talk about um, the normal overt and covert as a malignant but then i go into a rich and a poor narcissist because when i deal with clients it's a different game if you have a rich narcissist for an example they could be overt covert or malignant in these two categories But a rich narcissist is much more vindictive. Their entitlement is like, I am going to get it all. This is my money. You have no right to it. Um, And and the the amplification of the legal abuse to prove things about you are going to happen. We have to expect that if they have some assets. right? When you have a poor narcissist you have to understand that they are in it to get your money. And so, you <laughs> right. know, it's like, wait, wait, we've only been married for three months. You want my house? What? So, you know, that's so the basis. But then I went into the masks so people can understand it um, really because that's the confusing part. You know what masks are? Well, why don't you explain what masks are to the audience so they know? Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. So a narcissistic mask is almost the persona. Consider it like a role in a play <laughs> that they they perform like, like monkeys, if you would, to just sit there and convince the world that they're the greatest parent. They are, you know, the soccer coach. They are out there and everyone thinks they're great they're the big executive, they're the best neighbor, Uh, they're the spiritual person, they have this persona that actually changes based on who they're with. And so unless we start to put the pieces together by understanding, no, everyone thinks my ex is wonderful. Well, that might be that particular mask. And then at home, the door closes and, and they're not Mr. or Mrs. Wonderful.
0: Right. Right. It's so important because that's so that's such a key part of the gaslighting Mm. um, in this. Right. Because when we see this other person and we know that they're capable of being so great and then they're and then they, they change when the door closes or when you leave the party or, you know, whatever it is, you really start to believe it must be you because nobody else is experiencing this. And so it must be you
1: absolutely and gaslighting is such a predictable like thing in every narcissistic divorce you know yeah. whether they've been saying it all along to keep the victim hooked there's mm-hmm. no money you'll get nothing i'll take the kids away from you if you dare do this to me i'll ruin your life right and and those sort of things are threats but they are gaslighting because it's not true if you've been married for 25 years if you've been married for however many years, you're going to get Whatever piece is legally judged to be yours. Right.
0: Yes. I said this to someone, a friend of mine this week, where she said, "But he's being so nice and he's saying that he's being so loving and kind, saying that he's going to take care of me and that, you know, I'll be okay financially." But then on the other hand, he's trying to control the narrative and he's being mean and he's yelling, you know, get he's all of these other things. And I'm like, "Honey, he isn't being loving by telling you that he you're he's going to take care of you financially. He actually legally has to take care of you financially at this point. So that's not, that's not being loving. That's just the facts. So if you take that off the table, he's just being controlling an
1: asshole. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and again, that's sort of I call it the Trojan horse in the book. Yes. Is that nice comes out and they promise to go to counseling, they promise to do everything you've always wanted them to do. But really, what it is doing, it is it is just sort of another ploy for them to now go, okay, they're on to me. I'm going to hide the assets better. Now mm-hmm. that gets ramped up while you're sitting here going, oh, they're going to take care of me financially. I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And you put your trust back into them. Mm-hmm. And while you're sitting there trusting, they sit there and hide assets and like really blow away the case.
0: And continue the abuse, right? Once they get you settled back in, then they they think they've won, they've changed your mind. And then after a certain period of time, they just start back. Right. Back into the abuse. So your book, I love, (laughs) I love it because you, you lay out like all the things you can expect, (laughs) right? (laughs) Which is honestly, I think so important because for many people, this is the first time that they've ever gone through something like this. And if you're not working directly with a coach like me or you or someone who's really explaining to you, like what you can expect Having it in this book is so helpful and useful. So can you talk a little bit about how you lay out the things to expect and then and then how you also lay out um, how to you know combat them or things like that? And I, I just also want to say about this book is that it's a fantastic reference book in that you can just look up a, a thing and. Just read that part because I know that sometimes women who are going through this, the idea of like reading a whole book, right? Can be emotionally exhausting. Mm -hmm. Like, of course we want everyone to read your book cover to cover and like, Mm -hmm. you can just pick it up and be like, okay, here, I'm here.
1: (laughs) Right. Absolutely. I, I first started doing it like two and a half years ago thinking I'm just going to put down tricks because with my YouTube channel, people would listen to one of my videos and go, were you in my living room? You're describing my life, right? Mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. that sort of validation is what I wanted. Yeah. So I asked people on my website and my Facebook group, please send me the tricks. I had a form, fill them out, what tricks were pulled. And I lay them out. Like you said, we've got financial tricks, tricks they pull with kids, tricks they pull in court, you know, what to do, how to expect it. But I didn't just want the, he did this or she did that. I wanted the, this is possible and this is how you protect yourself from this kind of a trick, right? Mm -hmm. So laying out those sort of things is going to be what they learn and not in the whole drama. I I didn't want that triggering story of what happened to that person to sit there and make you put the book down because you're so scared of it might happen to you. So I kind of went through a lot of that. I also had 26 um, experts give their top three tips. So we've got this tips and tricks kind of thing, but then we've got all these strategies, all Mm -hmm. these mistakes that people make Mm. And that they don't know that this is a mistake. Um, you know, can you give just, an example of some of one of those? Sure, sure. The yeah. biggest mistakes are are not having a team, like you said, having someone there that is guiding you so that you really don't feel all alone because your friends are not gonna understand it. They're gonna right. like, it's just a normal divorce. So build a team and, and make sure that everything is uncovered not settling, like you said, with that nice stage that they're in. That's a big mistake is not knowing the financial picture when they pull this nice and they give you some kind of settlement and you go, okay, no, you settle nothing until you have a complete financial picture because chances are they're hiding things and they're only giving you a small piece of the pie, even though it feels like, oh, that's nice. Thank you. I don't have to go to court. Yay. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, not planning for the children as they grow. Mm. Like this is a huge thing I see in divorce decrees is the kid is five. So you've got preschool and la 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 little kid things, but that's not reflecting what a expenses for a teenager. It's not putting things into perspective of When do we want our five-year-old to have a phone and who's going to pay for it? And lots of details like that. They don't plan for them. And so therefore, it becomes sort of now another place where they can continue to abuse you. I have a section called the gray areas of a divorce decree because... We know narcissists think in black and white thinking. It's called splitting. You're either good or you're evil. You, you, there's no 20 years in the middle where we were nice. You, were, you just go to the other evil side. And so um, when a divorce decree happens, you have to think for that gray area in between. Mm. The gray area is, it says daddy paid for college. Yay, we win. But it doesn't say how much. How much exactly. It say, yep. you know, does that include housing? And does that include food? And does that include blank and travel and all the other expenses? The books. Like you have to define it because mm-hmm. in my book I have an example where daddy was gonna pay for college, the kid gets into brown. Mom has to spend $20,000 fighting because it didn't say how much was the budget. And so she ended up having to split Brown. But he was like, yeah, I'm a millionaire, but I was thinking community college. It doesn't say anything different, right? Right. Really being prepared for that interpretation and going Christmas this year, Christmas next year is a simple thing in a divorce decree not with a narcissist. They will milk that. Take your right. kids on Christmas Eve, and it doesn't say when to bring them what back. What time? What, <laughs> right, time, exactly. what day? And, and having them there for two weeks going, well, it's still kind of Christmas vacation. It doesn't say. So you have to get really finite in all of the details. And I have this other thing called the what if they don't clause in the book. Yes, that's that great. that happens above in the divorce decree, if they don't do it, then there's got to be a consequence, right? Because generally the consequence is you spend money just like that college mom, yeah, had to take them back for contempt, contempt, contempt. and that's a twenty thousand dollars operation by the time you actually hit a court. So making sure that everything is nailed down is going to be their best bet
0: well, now how do they nail how do you nail that down? Like if you are in not in compliance, then sort of w- what is the, what is the contingency for that? Like ra- that's not spending $20,000 to getting them.
1: We add a line, which is in the book to the, de- to the decree that I have like 30 decrees on my dining room table right now and only one. And that came in last week has ever had it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it is is based on, I went to a contempt of court hearing with a client and the judge was asked please like he's two years not paying me can we please collect the legal fees and the judge said I would love to but it wasn't in the original decree so you add a line to that normal section that says both parties are responsible for their legal fees blah 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 but in case someone doesn't either party doesn't like do what is in the rest of the decree they'll be responsible for the other party's legal fees Oh, that's brilliant. Yep. So if you have something like that in there, yep, you are golden. And again, it's going to slow down because now they're going to be responsible and not like the goal with that is to financially ruin you, take you back, take you back to court right. mm-hmm. for not doing what they were ordered to do. So that will stop it in the butt right there.
0: Now, how likely is a narcissist to sign something like that, right? Like, do you ever see people push back on that and say, I'm not, I'm not going to sign that.
1: You know what? It generally goes in because it says if either party. Right. There. Okay. It's not so if they don't do it, it's Mm -hmm. either one of us don't do it. I I want this line to be normalized in every decree. I don't care if they're a narcissist or not. Like it should be standard. It It shouldn't be something that we allow this legal abuse to continue, right? Yes. Because it's not intended necessarily just for them and you know you're going to comply. It does sneak in there quite well. And again, If your lawyer is having difficulty in asking for this from the judge, you are showing their pattern of not being cooperative through the divorce process to say, judge, we need this because look at what's already happened.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. This is post separation legal abuse is what you're talking about. Yeah, And, you know, it's so classic narcissist abuser to use the courts as a tool, um, of of abuse of continuing and furthering the abuse what other ways do you see um, them doing that are there other,
1: Examples. Well, the children are, are certainly, you know, weaponized. Um, and yeah. whether they are, you know, turning the children against you in, in an alienation situation, whether they are um actually doing damage to the children by you know when they see them and yelling at them and doing things like that. Um, the, the children are definitely used as a weapon, and we have to protect ourselves from that kind of abuse because you know, children should not have these lies put in their head and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. mess with them. So narcissists are famous for that. And um, unfortunately that's something we can protect ourselves against um, to the best of our ability, right. Is, is if we can prove that they are not fit parents, that they are yelling at the children or calling them names um, or doing something even worse Nipping it in the butt and and having a restriction on different things is going to help.
0: Well, now, how do you do that? Because, you know, so many I think the courts are like, so they're so he's yelling like parents yell like they don't they don't tend to see the sort of, you know, that it's a pattern of abuse. And, and I have so many clients who are like, you know, he yells at the kids, he manipulates them. But in court, like nobody cares. Right. Mm -hmm. So how do you suggest people like, is that something you can put
1: in a decree? Like, how do you protect against that? Well, I think an important part of that is getting the kids into therapy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Therapist that can then say that the children are being affected and here's how, that builds a different thing than here's a text or a recording of them, right? Yes, yes. That's, that actual proof that they <coughs> are psychologically being manipulated in some way, shape or form that now you have a, a legal representation person in the court that is going to stand up and say, this is really happening.
0: And it's also really important to make sure That the therapist you choose will testify in court because many will not. Many just don't want to because there's all sorts of you know stuff that they can get dragged into and it it becomes a whole thing. So a lot of them are like won't do it. (laughs) Um, So make sure that when you hire a therapist and anyone who's going through a high conflict divorce should have the children should have a therapist from the from the jump.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And un-
0: Unfortunately, it's so hard right now for us to find, you know, I've, all of my clients are trying to find therapists for their kids. I'm trying to find a therapist for my kids. You know? And and it's, it's so hard right now with the pandemic, the kids have been affected so much that most therapists are just you know,
1: beyond booked, but it's an important thing. If we are in a state where we can record um, and you get some good, like abuse, good abuse, that sounds terrible. Well, um, yeah, but it's true. Good conversations on uh, captive, on on, on recordings, mm-hmm. um, that's just more proof. It, again, will it move the needle? Depends on your judge. It it could be one day that judge cares and the next day he doesn't care. That's so right. Like, yep hit or miss, but the more evidence you have, if you don't have the evidence, then you don't have the evidence, right? If you have 80 pieces of evidence in one matters, that's what we need, right? Mm-hmm. That's so right. Gather and, gather.
0: and it's important, I think, to highlight what Tracy just said, which is that if if your state allows it. So remember, there are certain states that are two-party consent states, which means that you need to, both people need to consent to the recording. Um, and there are a lot of states that are just one-party consent. And so you don't have to have the other person's permission um, to be recording them. So make sure if you do that, look up just Google is, you know,
1: whatever state, a two-party consent state, and you should find what you're looking for, right? Absolutely. I keep yeah. a little sheet right here by my desk, California, Connecticut, Florida, Illinois is Maryland, Massachusetts, Montana, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, and Washington. You cannot record all the other ones. It's legal. I love that you have that on your desk.
0: <laughs> oh, every
1: day. It's like it's I know I always just
0: tell everyone, I just like Google it if I'm on the phone with my clients, but like I <laughs> love that you printed it out. It's
1: perfect. I printed it out and I actually I have this little recording pen that I like to show my clients because if you're recording and they're on to you and you've got your phone out, I mean you don't have to be like literally like aiming it at their face. It's it's audio. But once they're on to you, then this recording pen is awesome. <laughs> (laughs) Mm -hmm. And one of my clients got it. And I'm like, everybody needs that. Great. Is it on Amazon? It is an Amazon pen thing. Yes. Um, It is the coolest little gadget. looks looks like a pen and it acts like a pen and then you unzip it and you stick the thing in there and you get it down 16 hours. It records.
0: Wow. Okay, great. We will try and find that and link it in the show notes. That's a great tool. And now, a quick word from our sponsor today, the Should I Stay or Should I Go program. That's right, it's my program. I'm sponsoring myself today. Look, if you're terrified, brokenhearted, and desperate for answers, if you've consulted oracles and spirit guides and journaled to death about whether or not to leave your marriage, if you've taken all of the classes, read all of the books, and listened to all of the podcasts, but you're still not sure what to do— then Should I Stay or Should I Go is for you. Should I Stay or Should I Go is a self-paced online coaching program that will give you all of the tools you need to make the best decision about your marriage for yourself and your kids. There is no other coaching program out there designed to answer this specific question, backed by an in-depth study of marriage and human psychology. There is no other coaching program out there created by someone who has walked this path or has such an incredible amount of experience helping women successfully travel the road to freedom. Freedom from doubt and confusion, freedom from constant worry and the swirl of indecision, and freedom from a history of unhealthy and toxic relationships. If you're ready to break free, and find the answers you've been looking for, along with confidence and clarity, then join me and hundreds of other women in the Should I Stay or Should I Go program. Truly, the time is now, because you, my love, deserve to be happy. Just go to kateanthony.com slash stay, and use the code DSGPOD for $50 off. That's DSG Pod, as in Divorce Survival Guide Podcast. So it's kateanthony.com/slash should I stay? And use the code DSGpod, Pod, and you'll get $50 off for being a loyal and faithful listener. Thank you so much. And now back to our episode. All right. So what are
1: what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see
0: that people make when they're divorcing a narcissist
1: like this? I think I think we kind of went over some so we of we cover those. them? Basically, setting yeah. specific times for, you know, in your parenting plan, setting specific things. Don't think that your parenting plan is too many details. Yeah. Start with everything. It's going to get whittled down. And then you go and you get what you get. But,
0: and you have in the book, you have like pages upon pages of suggestions for things that should be in your. Parenting plan, right? Absolutely. Like it's such a brilliant resource for this, for um, a high conflict parenting plan.
1: Mm-hmm. I have been working. I have a hundred thousand words on on a parenting plan course, but I have to record twenty four videos, and I haven't had the energy to do it yet. <laughs> but um, I think if we understand what our rights are, because narcissists lie. Again, right. you'll okay. never have anything. You'll never get them. This sort of like. Gaslighting really does control the victim, especially yep. if they were a stay-at-home parent. They can easily be taught you have no rights, you'll get nothing. And so therefore, we sort of stop and stumble upon putting more details in there because we don't feel we're entitled to, to make those requests, right? We have to know what our the law is That's and amazing. protect ourselves from every single thing from... I mean, it might sound stupid, but what age are our kids going to get a phone? Who's going to pay for their driving lessons? Who's going to pay for the insurance? Most people don't even think that far ahead. They might go to all the way to college, but they're not going to think about the events that happen. And, you know, often it's the non-NARC parent that's making the schedule for the kids and deciding what camps to go to.
0: That's right. Um,
1: but That's you've right. got to plan all that out. And if you don't do it now, you will be back in court doing it later.
0: You will now. So all of this is so exhausting, Tracy, right? Like, I mean, being in a marriage with a narcissist is exhausting. Divorcing a narcissist is no less exhausting, right? It's like now, like now you're, now you're actually trying to take, Russell back some control. And so they're going to get more aggressive and more assertive, right? The more, the more control they're losing, the more, you know, um, aggressive they become. So what are some, do you have some tips um, in the book or just now for how to sort of handle that, the emotional exhaustion
1: that all of this takes? Well, it's finding a good support system, right? Mm -hmm. Most people, Mm -hmm. again, therapist, coach, like you and I, um, somebody that is obviously your lawyer, your legal team, maybe your accounting team, but then it goes into a lot of people find themselves isolated from their friends because people think they're crazy when they start to tell them everything that's happening. So finding people in a support group. Um, you know, going on Facebook, I have a support group on Facebook, just finding out that, you know, getting validation that you're not crazy, that this is really happening is going to like emotionally regulate you beyond anything else. Right. Just having that support every week or when you need it is going to be like, oh, my God, this happened. If we go to a lawyer and go, oh, my God, this just happened every time something happened. You're going to be looking at a hundred thousand dollar legal bill. That's you right. Know- that's right. <laughs> a place to offshoot this. You need to process your emotions. You need to journal about it. You need to really get yourself in a place where you are not the deer in the headlights every single time these things happen, because it's going to feel like you are a deer in the headlight. You're just going to be blindsided. It's like, you know, just slapping you back and forth. And so knowing that you have a team that you can talk to on Wednesday and go, "All I'll get it all out. I'll, I'll, I'll figure this out is going to help you get through the whole process so much stronger.
0: Knowledge in this case really is, you know, empowerment because when they say you, you know, I'm going to take you for all that you're worth, or you're not going to get anything. I mean, I, have the number of women that in my Facebook group that say things like, he says he's going to take the kids. Well, it's like, well, he can't like, no, he's not <laughs> Like, I mean, that's nice for him, but yeah. they're operating out of this level of fear. So you know, I always recommend like get a, have a consultation with an attorney in your area. So just at first, before you even decide on an attorney, whatever, know the law in your state, in your County, at least get the knowledge so that when he makes these threats, they don't derail you.
1: Absolutely. I have a link on my website for parenting guidelines for every single state. Wow. a set for every single state. So it doesn't matter where you are. These are the rights. This is what you are. So, you know, before you even hire that lawyer, Google that. What are my parenting guidelines for Oklahoma? Whatever it is, pull that out and know your rights because they're going to be lying and stonewalling and gaslighting and smearing you and you know the projection is what people get so upset about i'm sure you know this as well when they are being accused of something that they're not doing but the narcissist is right Right, so knowing that um with the parenting guidelines And again, that projection is you're a bad parent. I'm going to I'm going to call it. So, you know, social services on you. Well, what are your rights? Understand it and protect yourself.
0: Yeah, right. What is what is social services actually going to come out and right? They don't just come out and investigate every call they get. (laughs) Right. So like, what does someone have to say in order for it to be taken seriously? Probably you're fine. But that projection is really important. You know, I I, people get so defensive about the things, you know, and then when I say to them or when you say to them. So let's think let's consider all of their accusations as confessions. Mm -hmm. Then they go, oh,
1: holy shit. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) puts that fear inside of them. Yeah. And, and they feel like they have to defend it. I did. I was accused of being a gold digger, trying to steal his money. I was accused of forging papers and hiding papers and all these things, $100,000 in legal fees to defend my name when they never had a single piece of proof. And that didn't occur to me till years later when I started to study what the heck happened was I'm sitting there reactive, reactive. No, I didn't steal anything. Look, here's all the evidence but the proof is on them. They had nothing. He had never even given papers in, right? So I reacted to that projection and I wanted to defend my honor Mm -hmm. and that cost me a lot more money. Know what matters and what doesn't, where you need to defend yourself. You know, what is like, they're not going to care. A judge is just not going to care. They have to know where and and that's going to help regulate them as well.
0: And it'll never be with him, by the way, right? Like defending yourself against the narcissist, I say him, but you know, it's everybody, but defending yourself against the narcissist is a, is a losing battle Mm -hmm. because all they're getting is your energy and that's all, that's what they want, Mm -hmm. right? So this is where gray rocking comes in, right? It's just, it just rolls right off you
1: yeah yep. right. and again it's understanding I think your triggers too. Mm-hmm. by having mm-hmm. someone that knows how to help you through that trigger is gonna be your salvation because they're going they know your triggers. they know them better than you do. So if they you're sensitive and you're a great parent and they attack your parenting skills, that's a trigger and they're yeah. gonna hit it and they're gonna hit it and they're hitting it. It doesn't matter to the judge, it's not true. But you have now just lost all of your emotional resilience because they're tapping into the most important thing that you will defend.
0: Right. That's right. And it is that sort of classic abuse thing where, you know, that we saw play out with Gabby Petito, where she was the hysterical one. Yes. Right. And those of us who are trained in and well versed in domestic abuse, emotional abuse, any of it will recognize the sign that like the hysterical one is probably the one who's being abused because their whole reality, like they're just struggling and fighting for the reality. When then you had whatever his God awful name was that horrible man, laundry, Brian laundry, who was completely calm. We have the problem that judges, not enough family court judges are trained in this. They're not, they don't, it's not required for them to have any domestic violence training so they don't recognize it.
1: Mm-hmm. That's true.
0: So we have to do our best to like to, as you said, know our triggers and not defend against them and fight against them, because then we look like the crazy person and then we're in court and that look that will reflect badly on us.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And again, judges are are not necessarily your friends. They do not understand this. And that's one of the biggest mistakes is people think, oh, when I get in court, justice will be served. This is family court. This is let's separate that legal contract, split the assets, split the kids, have a nice day. They are not there to to battle out the truth. They don't care. And so- There'll be parts where you need to step up. There are parts where you need to defend, but, you know, for the most part, a narcissist is just going to go for blood and try to ruin you financially, emotionally, and potentially, you know, with the children as well. Yeah.
0: Yep. So this is a great opportunity. You know, this is, this is why, especially in, in divorcing a, a narcissist, a team is so important. Mm-hmm. It's so so important. So you talk about in your book how to like set up a team and how to hire attorneys and you even have a you have lists upon lists <laughs> of questions to ask an attorney. Um and they're kind of broken down by like What is it by like level of intensity of
1: your situation, right? It's like children. If you have questions about my children, you know, what Mm -hmm. do we do about this or assets or broken down for how does the lawyer work? I don't know about your clients, but mine tend to be two, three, four lawyers down by the time this thing is over because the lawyer's response time is like nothing. And they are just like hitting them with stuff and just going, why won't they answer me? And they end up firing them. So what is the response time? What's most important to you? I broke it down. No lawyer is going to answer like a billionth of those questions. But if you are interested in children, here's some ideas. If you're interested in how they bill, here's some ideas. We need little parts of it um, in everybody's request to the lawyer they do not need to know about narcissistic personality disorder but if you have questions and say have you ever been against someone like this or represented someone like this what did you learn? Right, you're not you're testing their knowledge, not that they know what smear campaigns are. They're not going to know what it is, right? But if they understand the premise and the dangers and the possibilities, which is what my book is all about, it's about the possibilities that could happen. Mm-hmm. If a lawyer has that, that may be enough. Yes, right.
0: And I think it is important, right? Have you ever d- dealt with this? Right. You don't need to right? They don't need to be an expert in it. But like, what did you learn? How did you deal with this? Um, because you do want someone who gets this. Mm-hmm. You really do, because it's a special thing. I have a client whose attorneys she's she's dealing with one of the worst uh, cases I've ever, ever seen. It's really bad. Um, and she her attorney's went and took a course in understanding um narcissistic abuse so wow. that they could better understand what she's going through so that they could educate the judges now she works for with a very small it's it's a very small firm and at first i was very i was this is actually an interesting point right because at first I was like, it's a small firm. He's got like a big firm. You may be, you may want to go like head to head and get a really like aggressive attorney that can go after his. And of course, at this point he's on his like fifth or sixth lawyer, right? Because this is what happens. They, they, their attorneys try to tell them what's the, what the law is. And either they will fight their attorney so much that the attorneys fire them or they'll just fire the attorneys because they're not getting what they want, right? So we're five or six in in keeping this small firm. She got so much more personal attention mm. to the point where they went and like educated themselves on how best to protect her. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, I think so. Like, I think it's a lesson, right? That like it's not always best to get the the
1: biggest shark. No, I think um, in these cases, I have a client who had a different lawyer that was so, I call it like the turtle lawyer. They were so sweet. Mm. They weren't aggressive. And she was up against the devil carnate right? Right. And so she went for a shark. Now that shark is not believing anything she says, you know, calling her delusional. And I'm like, what? This is not what we expected in the person that is going to be the shark to fight. So again, understanding what to ask, you know, because two sharks against each other end up, you know, accelerating the bill. Let's fight over this. Let's fight over that. Mm -hmm. You want someone Mm -hmm. that knows when to fight and when not to fight. Right. It's important. Yep. Absolutely. Ugh. (laughs) I love that your client got the, the, um, you know, the lawyer to, to, to educate themselves. A lot of people will send a book to the lawyer and go, listen, I'm not paying you, but here's a $20 book. It might help you to understand what's going on. I'm hoping my book becomes that resource because it educates you know, not only what could happen, which they've already seen, but gives with names and verbiage to it and gives cases where they're like, Oh yeah, I've had that happen. Oh, now I see that's a manipulation, right? right. We want to connect the dots for the lawyer. So sending them a book is really helpful.
0: That's so, I think that's so that's such a great point that um I was talking to a friend of mine who's a public defender yesterday, and she was saying about with judges that you know, so often these judges are sort of you know, are steeped in privilege until you've experienced it. Like, and I know the first time you experience any kind of sort of psychosis in someone else or like, you know, malignance, like someone who's, you know, dead set on malice and hurting you and right. All of that stuff, specifically with personality disorders, you don't recognize it at first because it seems so like, you're like, wait, but this doesn't compute. This is not how humans operate. Right. And then you realize, oh, oh, this is how these oh, this is how this set of humans operate. And then you learn all about it and you're like, oh, wow. And you can recognize it. But until it's happened to you, (laughs) I think, and until you've really seen it, Mm -hmm. if you if these judges are sort of in this seat, these seats of privilege, they've, you know, gone to you know prestigious law schools, they've gone, you know, they've done their whole legal career. They've been appointed as judges, all of that. Like there's there tends to be a lot of privilege. And because family law isn't a specialty, because there's just a rotation, they have no idea. And attorneys, same thing, right? The, I mean, it's attorneys to judges, right?
1: Mm-hmm. They just don't know. And so, yeah, ugh, it's tragic. You know, and and thankfully, there are warriors out there that are trying to educate the legal system, like yep. Bill Eddy for the High Conflict Institute. He teaches yep. conferences of lawyers and judges, that's what we need but it's not, exactly. enough. It's not fast enough right so depending on where you live you know a, a a judge could certainly be one that favors women one that favors men that's a narcissistic trick to not take the date with the with the judge if that judge favors say if it's the husband that's the narc if that judge favors women the narcissist is going to keep saying, no, we can't make that date. No, we can't make that date until they get the judge they want that favors fathers in this game. Mm. Mm-hmm. So again, another tactic, if you understand these are tactics instead of, oh God, they're delaying it again. Well, of course they are. This is what they do. This is why they're doing it. And when you have that knowledge, which someone, an expert can tell you, this is why they're doing it. And this is what we do about when they do it, right? Having those kind of things and education is going to help people, you know, in this battle because it is a battle.
0: It is a battle. And, you know, I think that is, that is another really strong argument for having a full team, right? Because when you have a coach like me or you who actually does understand this,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we'll talk to your attorneys and we'll, we'll help them understand what's happening okay. in a non-emotional, right? But like more linear fashion, send them Tracy's book, right? We'll, we'll, we will, which is why you want a team. It's really why you want a team, especially in a high conflict case, we will save you money, as you said earlier, Right. Like if you keep going to your attorney, every time something happens, it's going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. You come to us, we help you process it. Then we talk to the attorney and sort of talk about like, okay, this is the tactic that these kinds of people use. And if it's attorney, who's never really dealt with it before we do the educating.
1: Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it is exhausting and Mm You know the emotional resilience, as I said, that has to be built up. There's wounds that have to be healed after a divorce because of the situation. If you've been with a narcissist, you 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 know may not trust anymore. You may not have any self love anymore because you were put down so much. You know you, you may have abandonment wounds. You may be grieving. Um, there's so much the betrayal that you find out when you find out that they've got a second and third life or that they. They've been hiding money for the last 15 years. Those are, those are betrayals that are going to wound you. Yeah. So you need to like, understand that I, I work with, I have groups of women and we do groups and we talk about fear and managing our anger so that we aren't like, you know, with the steam coming out our ears, every time they do something, we go, of course they're doing it. That doesn't matter. Or I have to take this step or that step instead of it being a catastrophizing experience every time. Every
0: time. Right. Because that's what they want. (laughs) They want you to go into that trauma response. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So let's talk about that healing process, right? Because, you know, first of all, it's never over. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the hardest things that I know that I've had to learn (laughs) is that it's never over. And I think that is one of the hardest lessons for everybody is, especially if you have kids, right? It's never over. There's so many layers to it, right? Because it's even even recognizing it when you're steeped in it, right? Even that is so hard. It can take years to really wrap your head around and understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go through the, the divorce process and that's all those other wounds. And then you're on the other side and then you've got to deal with that trauma and that and do the healing work. What do you what what do you suggest or recommend around
1: that? Well, again, um getting into therapy and and getting someone who understands the wounds that are caused, right? As you talk to someone like you or me, we're going, okay, this has created this wound, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You have to look at what made you vulnerable in the first place. Do you trust too easily? Do you have no boundaries? You know, most people didn't have boundaries with a narcissist. And so therefore, now, if we have another person come into our life, we have to have better improved skills because we're out of practice, right? We tried, it just didn't work. So we gave up and surrendered to them. So um, knowing what your wounds are, And I think the hardest thing for people to do is to learn to let go of the things you cannot change. Mm -hmm. This is radical acceptance, right? This is I cannot change that they will always do this until my kids are 18. I cannot change that. And yet that radical acceptance of that is sort of like, we want to fix it, but we can't. So letting go that they will continue to be a pain in the butt until they're not in our life any longer is is part of it. It's not condoning it. It's not saying it's okay. It's not holding on to the injustice of it all. Because Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. injustice eats at your soul. That injustice, that anger, that hurt, that like, how could they is what blows it out of the water for years and years and years, unless you get help and learn to let go of that. Because again, you can't change it. You cannot change yesterday. You can change today and you can change tomorrow. We can't change the injustice that has happened. What we can do is go, that injustice happened, can't change it. It sucks. They're mean. And I have to go forward and go to, what do I do to heal this wound that has been, this crater of a wound that's been created?
0: That's right. That's right. And it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, and it's necessary. And I know that you know for myself, it's like once I got out, I was like, "Whew, great! I'm I'm free of that." Right? And of course, I wasn't. Um, but also, I I was too exhausted to do that work right away right? I was, and then it was, and then it creeped up on me. And also I didn't, we didn't have, when I got divorced 13 years ago, we didn't have this kind of information now Mm -hmm. that we have now, like we just didn't have it. Mm -hmm. And so I really didn't have a name for what I had experienced. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I didn't, I wasn't able to do that healing work right away. And then it started eating away at me in other ways. Right. And so it's, even if you feel like, you are relieved that you're out, right? Um, You still need to do the work because it will creep up on you.
1: Totally. And what it's going to do is it's going to attract other narcissists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, If we think about it, uh, and this is exactly what happened to me. I went through my divorce. It's 11 years ago in April um, and I didn't know what the heck happened. I knew I had seven trials and I'm like, I'm not Casey Anthony. I didn't kill anyone. Why? You know, it made no sense to me. I was seeing a therapist for all those years before it, during it, and then afterwards. And when I finally learned about narcissistic abuse, three years after my divorce, I said to my therapist, so I just think, I think it's this narcissist thing. What do you know about them? And he said, they like to look in the mirror. That's what he (laughs) said. And this is the man who's been treating me. Right, right, right. The part was that the second person that I attracted after my divorce, it was about six months later, friends introduced me so I could trust him. I gave my trust away to this second jerk. And he ended up having me arrested and put in jail. And your face is just opened up for anyone who's not watching. Her face just opened up. What <laughs> That's how I learned when I got out of jail for 24 hours Friend said he's gaslighting you look that up. And that explained my divorce that explained my parents that explained my siblings that explained why I didn't see this because it was normalized to me. Right. So we don't want to be caught by someone else because they're going to see exactly what you have tolerated or gone through. It's not like you tolerated it and said, sure, go ahead, abuse me. But these are the things. And if you are not healed, you are going to get sucked up by someone that is even worse. And they're yes. going to like have this false front I would never do that to me. I would never cheat. My wife cheated on me too. I would never do that. But meanwhile, under the table, as you tell them that your husband cheated 10 times, but you stayed because you believe in the vows of marriage, then they are sitting there under the table going, "Ha ha, ha I can cheat and she, you know she'll let me get away with it. You are giving them the script for what you've tolerated. We can't have that. Amen. Amen, sister.
0: Amen, sister. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I said, same thing with me. And I think that this is a really important thing to, to point out as well, that when you hire your professionals, especially your therapists, not all therapists are created equally. You want to have a therapist who has a specialization, who understands domestic violence, who understands um, recovery from narcissistic abuse, Um, and you want to ask them when you, you know, sit down with them for a first session or for an interview, you want to ask them these questions because we tend to think that like, oh, they're a therapist. So therefore they, you know, understand all of these things and they know these things, um, and they specialize in these areas. And not all therapists can specialize in all areas, first of all. Um, and they should have advanced training in some of these areas. Mm -hmm. Um, so make sure you ask about that. Because, you know, like Tracy, like me, we great, you know, I had a great therapist for a number of years, but
1: nobody named what was happening. Nobody. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the part that hurts victims. That's right. Because now they're just thinking, oh, it's me. Maybe I should have done this. I should have, could have, would have. And that doesn't serve you at all because it's putting blame on the victim because the victim doesn't even know that they are a victim. That's right.
0: And this is why you don't go to therapy with an abuser, right? Because you're taught that this is, we just have to learn to communicate better and you're given better communication skills and communication is not, abuse is not a communication problem. (laughs) Abuse is not a relationship problem. So do not go into a therapeutic setting with an abuser because they will use it to destroy you.
1: Absolutely. And if the therapist does call them out, that'll be the last time you'll ever see that therapist ever. (laughs) That's right. That's right.
0: Oh my gosh, Tracy, thank you so much for coming on. Tell us where everyone can find you. I know that you're on all the channels. You're <laughs> 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 Um so um tell us where tell tell the people where to go to find the best of you.
1: Sure. So, if you go to my website narcissist abuse support.com. Um, you can find links to my YouTube channel, my podcast. Um, again, my my website is a plethora of resources like that. Can I record? Um, where's that parenting plan? How do I get financial aid? I have financial aid agencies, domestic violent agencies for every single state so that they don't have to sit there in panic going, how do I get help? It's all listed there. So. Right. You'll find all of my social media at the top. But again, the website is, got, it's got free ebooks. It's got all kinds of good stuff for people. So
0: great. So that's narcissist abuse, abuse, support, support.com. Support. Yes. Okay. And that'll, of course, be listed in the show notes. So, um, and Tracy's book is Divorcing Your Narcissist. It's one of the best subtitles ever. Divorcing Your Narcissist. You can't make this shit up. And it's available <laughs> everywhere Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You got it. That's right. And on your website, I assume, <laughs> as well. <laughs> awesome. Tracy, thank you so, so much. It was such a pleasure. Thank you.